Hey, have you got bare walls at home or in your office? Do you want to surround yourself with the majesty and inspiration of our mountains? I'm talking truly incredible photography of Western North Carolina landscapes. RedRockPhotoNC.com. Stay tuned for details. It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Hey, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday. It's July 22nd. And uh, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Really, I do. And I appreciate Mattress Man Stores. They are uh, the presenting sponsor of the program. And when I launched the podcast, Chuck, who is the owner of Mattress Man Stores, he immediately reached out and he said, hey, we want to support the show. Uh, We got to support our neighbors. That's what he said at the time. I'm not kidding. That's a direct quote from him. I wrote it down. And when veterans need jobs, Chuck gives them jobs. When local charities need beds, Chuck gives them beds. This is what he does. Um, This is why I'm honored to be sort of an ambassador for uh, Mattress Man stores. And here's a great deal. Actually, three great deals going on at Mattress Man right now. So through the end of the month, zero, zero, zero. This is the triple zero deal that they've got going. Zero percent down, zero percent interest for up to 24 months, and zero payments for 90 days. Also, how about $399 for a queen-size gel memory foam mattress? $399. Hot deals to keep you cool, right? Also, a free bedding bundle. So, uh, with select mattress purchases, you get sheets, protectors, and pillows, uh, all at mattressmanstores.com or in any of their four locations. You can go on into any of their four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville and uh, peruse all of the inventory that they have. They have a lot. It's going to take you a while, but don't worry. They do the social distancing. They do the the wiping down of all of the surfaces and such and single-use uh, pillow covers so you don't have to worry about catching the COVID, you know? Uh, it's a, it's just it's a great deal. they got three great deals Take your pick and take your pick of mattresses and they'll help you. The sleep consultants will help you find the right bed for you. Five-star delivery service locally and they do ship nationwide, by the way, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. You really can't lose with Mattress Man, okay? Experience the difference. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. All right, today I've got an update on some of the vaccines that have been developed uh, for COVID-19, and some of them show real promise. Uh, Also, North Carolina finally giving us some more data. It's only been, like, what, six months, Uh, so we'll have updates on that. You know who gets updates all the time? Patrons of the program. It's true. Patrons of the program, such as Tim and John and Alan, Daniel, Daniel, Krista, Timbo, Sherry, Mary, Brian, Rebecca, Lou, I appreciate all of your support. They became patrons of the program. They get access to exclusive content, like, for example, the live streams that we do on uh, Thursday evenings. We call it the live stream of consciousness. Lots of fun. You get sort of a peek behind the curtain, uh, some of the data that we use to, uh, to to gauge the podcast and who's listening and how long and all that stuff. So uh, if you are interested in that, and hanging out with all of us, uh, come on down. Go to the PeteCallenderShow.com for all of the links. Okay, so everything you need to know about the Oxford coronavirus vaccine. That's the headline 
at the newscientist.com piece by Michael LePage. And uh, you've probably heard a little bit about this, maybe in some uh, headlines that they've uh, they've been working on this uh, new vaccine. This is the AstraZeneca one. So here it is. An experimental coronavirus vaccine has been developed at the University of Oxford, and it produces what they say is the hoped for immune responses in people, even though it's not yet clear if it means that the vaccine is going to actually prevent infection, the group that made it has struck deals for companies to make 2 billion doses within a year. Quote, it's a really important day today, says the team leader, Sarah Gilbert. I really enjoyed her work in Little House, really. It was. But there's still a long way to go, she says. At least 23 experimental vaccines are being tested in people. The aim of these trials is to prove that the vaccines work. And that's going to take some time. Because you got to give the vaccines to some people who have the uh, uh, or who are yeah who are in high uh, COVID states, uh, you know high COVID case count states. Uh, you also got to give other people placebos, um, and then you got to basically hope that some of them get infected so you can measure it. Like really, that's what they have to do. They're not going to purposefully infect people with COVID-19, but if you take the vaccine and then you go run around licking door handles or something or licking COVID patients, then maybe you'll catch it or you won't. And if you don't catch it, then they'll say, aha, vaccine kind of works, right? Um, I am not advising you go out and lick people or doorknobs. That's just gross. And it's technically assault. Okay. The latest findings were the result of a smaller trial that were, uh, was intended to study the immune response to find out if the vaccine they had developed is safe and whether it produces the intended effect. They had about a thousand volunteers that were given this Oxford vaccine, which uses a uh, chimpanzee cold virus to deliver the gene. <laughs> this is so nuts for the coronavirus spike protein to human cells. Okay. So they're using this chimpanzee cold virus. So if you get, so if you're a chimpanzee and you get the cold, that virus, they took that thing. Okay, and then they stuck a gene on it, um, just one, not a pair of genes. That would be, I mean, completely ridiculous, right? Could you imagine what that would look like, a pair of genes on a cold virus? Anyway, so they put this single gene onto the chimpanzee cold virus, and uh, that is for the coronavirus spike protein, right, to be delivered to the human cell. Right, you know the the image that you see of the coronavirus and it has all the spikes. That's why they call it the coronavirus because it looks like a crown. Anyway, so the that that thing that's what attacks that like sticks into our human cells and that's how it it, it gets in. So the modified virus cannot replicate. So they basically made it uh, impotent. Okay, so it can't replicate. It can't cause infection itself. Uh, no serious adverse effects were reported in the study according, uh, that was published this week. The volunteers. Uh, did also generate lots of antibodies, which are proteins that circulate in the blood and bind to viruses. Not all antibodies bind in a way that renders the virus harmless, though. But after one dose, most of the volunteers produced enough neutralizing antibodies, which do prevent virus-infecting cells. And after two doses, all the volunteers had the neutralizing antibodies. So this is very promising. This is why everybody's all excited about it. The volunteers, uh, sorry, their bodies uh, also made immune cells, known as T-cells, 
that seek out and destroy infected cells before they produce more viruses. This uh, cellular response is thought to be an important part of immunity to the coronavirus. Now, it's unclear how well the vaccine is going to protect older people who are at greater risk from COVID-19 and have a smaller response to flu vaccines. Did you know that? I did not know that. Apparently, the older you get, the less uh, likely the vaccines are to work on you. Uh, The Oxford trial actually involved only people between the ages of 18 and 55. In a paper published alongside of this one, there's another team in China, which now I can't trust them because they're in China, but they reported results from a trial in which 600-plus volunteers were given a dose of a similar vaccine, and it found that the immune response was lower in people aged over the age of 55. Okay, so there's definitely something happening with this uh, virus in the older population. They are more susceptible to it, and they are going to be less helped by a vaccine. Still helped, but less helped. Pharmaceutical firm AstraZeneca is already gearing up to produce 1 billion doses of the Oxford vaccine, and the Serum Institute of India, gee, I wonder what they specialize in, uh, they also agree to make a billion doses. These will be produced on a nonprofit basis while the pandemic lasts. But wait, there's more. In another development, the UK company Synergen, I think, Syner- Synergen, Synergen, whatever. Um, I mean, their name, their name is like a drug. Like the crazy names that they have for these drugs. Anyway, this Synergen company reported that patients being treated in hospital for COVID-19 who breathed in the company's aerosol form of a protein called interferon beta were 80% less likely to develop the severe disease, and they also recovered faster. So there's some sort of an aerosolized version of a treatment, which is all good. This is all very good news. Good news. Because if you just consume mainstream media, then you probably are not going to be aware of all of these types of developments that are being made. Because this comes to us from the... uh, as I mentioned, the newscientist.com, newscientist.com. All the links, remember, to all of the stories that I bring up here on the show, they are all at uh, the Patreon account for patrons under Pete's Prep. And I keep a, like, every day I just keep adding more and more stories to it. So you check back every day and you'll see all of the the links to the stories that I'm uh, going through. So if you hear me talking about something and you're like, oh, you know what? I did, uh, Pete mentioned something about that and... Uh, where did he get that from? I need to I need to share that out. I need to read more about that. Then head on over to the Pete page. Um, also, antibody testing shows that coronavirus rates are about 10 times higher, according to the CDC. Reported coronavirus cases vastly underestimate the true number of infections, according to U.S. government data that got published now, and uh, it echoes results from a smaller study that was done last month. So no, I'm not repeating the same story. It's another study that was uh, released, uh, well, yesterday, and it echoes a study that was done last month. So last month, we brought you this information, and now it's been confirmed by a much larger study. And the reason why this is important is because it indicates that there are way more people that have actually been exposed to this, which will help with herd immunity. The idea being that once you catch it, you're sort of immune to it, so you won't 
um, you won't catch it again. And what that means is if somebody does have it and they come near you uh, and only you, you could basically be a firewall. You would stop that spread of the virus, right? Uh, because you're uh, it, you're not going to catch it. And then that person goes away and you didn't catch it and virus, and you're not going to transmit it then to anybody else. The CDC uh, did this study, and it says true COVID-19 rates were more than 10 times higher than reported cases in most U.S. regions between March and May. And uh, it's based on COVID-19 antibody tests that were performed on routine blood samples in about 16,000 people in 10 U.S. regions. Um the study likely detected infections in people who may have had no symptoms or even only a mild illness and who never got coronavirus tests, okay? Which is, we're going to get into some of the testing limitations here because the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, North Carolina Secretary Mandy Cohen, uh, unveiled, hey, we got some new data we're putting on our dashboard. And uh, we, the governor joined her at the press conference yesterday, so I got a couple clips to play from that, and we're going to break down some of this data because it is really important. Um, it's just as important as uh, a really good website for your business. You know this, right? You know how important your website is to your business now more than ever. So you need it to turn up in search results. You want it to look professional and you want it to be user-friendly for your customers and you. And while you do know your business, you might not know a lot about website design or maintenance, but my friend Schaefer Smith does. Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can actually solve a lot of your website's problems. Let them help you. Professional services, corporate, small businesses, and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics and photos. He does um, online store setup, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He even does logos. He did the Pete Callender Show logo. So go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That is SchaeferSmith.com. And we got the links up at ThePeteCallenderShow.com as well. Alrighty, so Roy Cooper, um, governor of North Carolina, <clears throat> calls it a somber day. He started off the press conference, as he does every press conference, starting off by giving a death count. Well, he actually starts with the case count, which is not an entirely instructive data point. I'm going to get into this uh, more thoroughly in a minute. Okay, but he starts off with the count, you know, how many total cases have we had? How many uh, deaths do have we had? And uh, then he does hospitalization numbers, like they're the, the big headline numbers. And these numbers basically are always going up. So, well, except for the hospitalization numbers, right? They fluctuate. But um, the death number is always going to go up. The um, uh, the case count is always going to go up. He never tells you how many people are, have recovered, right? That's never part of his outline. He gives like four data points, and then he launches into his scripted remarks, and uh, his scripted remarks called it a somber day because we passed 100,000 total case counts. And then as summer rolls along, you know, then he just kind of shifts gears into this, you know, what the what the press corps calls mild manner, uh, mild mannered. I would I would call it uh, sort of uh, socially awkward and uh, inappropriate joviality <laughs> when it comes to some of the topics at hand that he starts off these press conferences with. Uh, at any rate, um, he says the state is now going to distribute 900,000 masks to farm workers as well. Let's uh, play the clip here. And speaking of protecting people from this virus, okay, I want to take a moment to thank major retailers like Walmart, Costco, Fresh Market, and Lowe's 
and so many other businesses, small and large, which are requiring face masks in their stores. This type of leadership, by example, shows the public that these retailers truly care about their customers and their employees. For those who continue to defy basic decency and common sense because they refuse to wear a mask, either wear one or don't go in the store. The refusal to wear a mask is selfish. It infringes on the life and liberty of everyone else in the store. Not only is wearing a mask the decent, neighborly thing to do, it's the best way to boost our economy. All right, that is a direct reference to Dan Forrest, even though he won't say Dan Forrest's name. Dan Forrest is the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. He's running against Roy Cooper. And Dan Forrest, I guess it was last week or so, uh, he was doing some Zoom interview, whatever, some video interview, and he said, masks don't work. And everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Now, in and of itself, he's correct. It's true. Me wearing a mask and nobody else wearing masks, it doesn't really work. That's true. See, and this is the nuance that I know I'm asking too much in our politics of today, but and in society at large, I don't think we're a, a smart enough people to understand nuance any longer in these types of difficult discussions. But um, this is technically correct, but uh, on the sh on a small scale, that's that's the nuance here. Is that if it's just you wearing the mask, even CDC says this. The CDC director says you got to have mask usage um, up at around, you know, 90 percent, 80, 90 percent. You need to have almost everybody wearing masks. And that then can help reduce the spread of COVID-19, because the idea here is that people have it. They don't know they have it and they're asymptomatic. They're not expressing any kind of symptoms. And so they're walking around about their daily life and they're like, hey, let's all go out partying. And maybe they have a, a little sniffles. It's just allergies. And so then they go out and they party and uh, they hang out with all these other people. And then the next day they're like, oh, I don't feel so good. It's like not a hangover. No, no, it's COVID-19. And now they have to tell everybody else if they even know who they were that they were partying with, they can now say, they have to now say, hey, uh, I got COVID-19. Okay, but if they'd all been wearing masks and all been staying six feet apart, then the 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 chance of the spread would be greatly greatly minimized. See, so at a mass scale, masks can work. At a small scale, they do not so much. Right, but this is a nuanced position. Okay, and it is not captured by the elites that tell us what all is going on <laughs> with our elected leaders and the things that they said is outrageous and you need to know it's outrageous because I find it to be outrageous because I am going to assume the worst of motive. So this is a shot across uh, Dan Forrest, right? This is the, uh, the Cooper uh, campaign using these press conferences in order to take shots at Dan Forrest. Now, what he's also doing, though, is taking shots at North Carolina citizens. And I don't think he really cares about that. I don't want to ascribe motive or anything, but just from past experience, Governor Cooper seems pretty okay with attacking North Carolinians if it serves a you know greater political purpose for him. So um, he's he's definitely attacking Forrest, but he's also attacking people who deny the masks. Now, in order to get at the politics behind the masks, right, you got to go way back into March. 
when the CDC and uh, Dr. Fauci, right, when they were all saying masks don't work, don't go get them, you don't need them. And so everybody was like, okay, we don't need them. And then they turned around and said, okay, well, Fauci at least admitted that he lied. He's like, "Uh, no, I had to say that because I didn't want everybody to go out and buy all the masks up because we were trying to keep them for all of our healthcare workers, the frontline workers. They needed the masks. We would have had a massive shortage of masks. So I told everybody, don't get any. And they believed me. Ha ha. But now, believe me, you actually do need them. Okay. I lied before. You need to get them. And if everybody wears them, then uh, we can reduce the spread of this. And um, this is now becoming, I think it's becoming more the norm. More people are accepting this. People who may not have accepted it before. Look, you're always going to have people that are like, you can't tell me what to do. Okay, that's fine. Um, And there are some businesses that, you know, you may still be able to go into. I think Lowe's, I just saw Lowe's Hardware. They said that they were going to not enforce these bans because, or the, sorry, the mandates uh, because they did not want to put their employees in a position of having to confront customers over this, right? And that's the challenge. And meanwhile, you got, you know, Cooper with his tough talk right there about, you know, it's selfish, it's this, it's that, you know, you're you're endangering life and liberty. Well, okay, well then how about maybe some some penalties, right? If it's re- if it, it if it really is a matter of life and death, then um maybe you should attach some sort of penalty to not wearing the mask. But see, they won't do that. And it's it's not because they don't believe masks work. They do. It's because they don't want to um, they don't want to saddle people uh, who are you know poor or what they and they kind of lump in African Americans to that category. But they, that's how they see it. They they're like poor and people of color. They don't want them getting uh, on the wrong side of the law over not being uh, able to wear a mask. Or not afford, not being able to afford a mask, or uh, not wearing one for any other reason whatsoever. Okay, so that's the that's the deal. So for masks to work, just like the contact tracing apps, for these things to work, you got to have a lot of people doing it. Okay, uh, so uh, he then went on to urge people to pressure Congress to uh, extend federal unemployment benefits, um, which, I, like honestly, I go back and forth on this now because. They're given, I mean, they're given 600 bucks a month on top of whatever state uh, uh, benefit is available. And in North Carolina, uh, our state benefits are like, I think the max is somewhere like two to $300 a week and it expires after 12 weeks. And so he's also telling everybody, hey, pressure the General Assembly, the Republicans in the in the state legislature to increase the payments here and the duration of our unemployment benefits. But the federal benefits then layer on top of that. And so in North Carolina, for example, you had people that were making somewhere around 800 to to $900 a week. So they're pulling in thirty-two to $3,600 a month. That's a pretty good take for not working. And I suspect there are a lot of people that uh, are, that were able, that it freed them up to go out and uh, and engage in what I would consider to be unlawful and antisocial behavior, such as vandalism, rioting, and looting. I think that it, it, it freed them up to do a lot of this stuff. I think the reason you're seeing so many people, like still, they're still protesting every single night out in Portland. 
right? Like that is, you're now, like that's an insurrection. That's what's occurring now in Portland. That is an insurrection. That is no longer about anything else except some uh, some radical leftists trying to take power of uh, and control over a city. That's what's occurring over there. Anyway, I digress. Um, Cohen, Mandy Cohen, the Health and Human Services uh, Secretary, she touted how well her Department of Health and Human Services has been at providing data and transparency. Not kidding. She actually is. <laughs> she's actually saying that they're doing a good job at this. Um, well, here, take a listen. Throughout our department's response to the pandemic, we've been doing our best to provide timely and transparent information. One tool we use to do that, in addition to these briefings, is our online COVID-19 dashboard. It gives an interactive overview of the key metrics we're monitoring to inform our pandemic response and some key decision-making. This past weekend, we were able to add new data to that dashboard related to hospital capacity. You can now find information on hospitalizations by region, inpatient and ICU bed usage over time, and a breakdown of hospitalizations by suspected and confirmed COVID-19 cases. Okay, I don't want to discourage the provision of more data by DHHS. So just like get that on the record. Good job. You're giving us more data that people have been asking for for months, but good job getting it out the door now. I appreciate that. However, um, it's not really all that. Okay, it, it, it still is not enough. And while it is some bit of progress, it's not entirely helpful at this stage. And I'll get into that in a second. First off, um, question for you business owners. How are you cleaning and keeping your places sanitized? How are you ensuring that your customers and your employees uh, are safe and feel safe in their environment? Right? It's a lot of work, okay? I understand that, but I have a solution for you. The Karcher Misting System with Vital Oxide Disinfectant, okay? You can get it at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. This is your source for the Karcher Mister System, okay? Or the misting system. Um, this is great. Think about it. Great for if you're a realtor, you want to do some showings on a house or whatever, but you want to make sure that it's safe you know, to get people in and out, property and apartment managers, uh, sort of like the hallways or communal spaces, venue operators, schools, childcare facilities, Airbnb owners, homeowners, hair salons, places of worship, tattoo parlors. You need to go to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville and rent yourself the Karcher Mister. Okay, it is safe for kids and pets. It's safe for food contact surfaces like countertops, cookware, appliances, and dishware. It uses an all-in-one, hospital-grade, EPA-approved, germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer. Okay? This thing, it, it, it basically does it all, right? Kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses, including the COVID-19. So you don't have to rinse anything afterwards either. It's non-toxic. It's hypoallergenic. There's no odor to it. It's colorless. It's 100% biodegradable. It's super easy to move this thing around. It's on four independent wheels. It's cordless. It has a handle that you, you hold it up and you spray down the area. It's like the size of a shop vac. You can use it anywhere, right? Are you seeing the benefits now of renting a Karcher Mister from General Equipment Rental? You rent it once a week, use it like once a week, and it keeps the whole area sanitized for up to 10 days, right? 
10 days. All you got to do then is come back and do spot cleaning in areas that people are, you know, touching the most and such. Family-owned and operated general equipment rental in Weaverville is, and uh, they're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They, uh, three generations running the place. They meet all of your equipment rental needs from construction, earth moving, lawn and garden, whatever the project, general equipment rentals got you covered with the tool that you need. Uh, They are also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. They do equipment and service repair. Um, Every piece of equipment gets cleaned and serviced after every single job. Okay. Go to generalrentals.com and, um, or you can walk in. Go to, the, go to the website, learn all about the Karcher Mister, uh, or walk on in, and they're happy to demonstrate how the product works. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. All right, so Mandy Cohen, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, touting the updated dashboard for the COVID-19 uh, data that they are collecting. So what is this? Well, first, you have to back up and... Um, Go over what the dashboard has been providing and what it hasn't been providing and why the data isn't completely relevant. And you know who's done great work on this is Julie Havlick over at the Carolina Journal. Um, so first off, phase two is not going to be lifted until, what, August 7th? So we've got like another two weeks or so, and businesses now are starting to fold all over the place. Uh, they cannot bars and, and uh, like... Uh, uh, Fun Depot shut down. 17 years in business, Asheville's Fun Depot is now uh, no longer a depot of fun. It's uh, they're closing down. They can't. They just can't make it. They haven't been open in in six months. You can't do this to businesses and expect them to survive. They're done. Okay, they're done. And it and this is one of it's one of my pet peeves here. It's not even a pet peeve. It's it just it really hacks me off how little attention is ever paid by our governor um, to the real damage that he is inflicting on people's lives, right? There's just no, there's no recognition of that side of the cost equation, you know? It's all just about the COVID-19 case count and wear the mask and how dare you not wear the mask and we're doing fantastic work and all, like, all of the, these things that he wants, to, he wants to focus on and by limiting his press conferences, he is able to. There's never any recognition of the devastation that's occurring in people's lives. So the true COVID-19 case count it actually remains uncertain because you got test shortages and there's no random testing that's occurring. Okay. So infections, as the CDC said, could be 10 times higher than the state's tally. Deaths and hospitalizations lag weeks behind cases and not all hospitals report COVID-19 patients. Publicly available data on hospitalizations and hospital capacity were limited until Friday. See, Friday, they updated their this one part, hospital capacity. Okay, they updated this this metric. North Carolina offers interactive data when it comes to COVID-19 cases and deaths, but the state doesn't require hospitals to report COVID-19 patients and it doesn't break down hospitalizations for the public. Okay, so as of Friday now, they do. As of Friday, they do. So here is um, the update. North Carolinians now have a new dashboard uh, metric that shows a regional picture of hospital capacity and COVID-19 hospitalizations. The state began breaking down these hospitalizations by region and by bed type Friday, July 17th. 
and this upgrade is a big improvement, but it still leaves answers um, or uh, sorry, unanswered questions, as well as gaps in the data, according to Joe Coletti from the John Locke Foundation. Cooper administration officials say that the data helped the governor decide about school and business reopenings, as well as travel and public gatherings and other economic and social activities. Like, what to do about these things? Do you ban them? Do you limit them? If so, how? Right? All of these decisions that he says are based on the science and data and facts, right? He's basing it on these hospitalization numbers, in part. What are the, what's the data? How is he, how is he using it? We've not known, Right? So Friday, they post this new component of the dashboard. Now, hospitals are not required to report COVID-19 patients. The state does not publish the demographics of hospitalized patients. It withholds information about race, age, ethnicity, and gender. And the eight regions that the state has designated, so this, they break the state up into eight regions, um, there are wide variations in access to care. So the gaps leave the public and researchers in the dark about local hospitalizations and about how quickly hospitals in a local area could become overwhelmed by COVID admissions and uh, the sorts of living and working arrangements that may make people more vulnerable to getting hospitalized with the virus, right? So all of these things are still not part of the data. By the way, DHHS did not give any response to the Carolina Journal uh, when they inquired uh, for more answers on this stuff. So can you track COVID-19 hospital patients and hospital capacity? Yes and no, <laughs> right? So kind of both. The new presentation divides the state into the eight regions and you can track how many general hospital beds there are, how many ICU beds there are, how many ventilators there are, right? Along with how many COVID-19 patients are in general hospital beds and are in ICU beds. Okay, so if you just go by that, like so far, oh, all right, well, I can track this. Okay, right. There's a problem, though. And Asheville is a pretty good example. Western North Carolina is a pretty good example of this. Okay, we share a region. Asheville shares a region with Graham County, one of the state's poorest healthcare deserts. Two regions contain counties encompassing the southern and northern borders of the state. Researchers expect to see virus microsurges in individual communities. Right. So regional variation matters because if there's a micro surge in Asheville, does that mean that there's not enough uh, bed space for uh, for the other areas of the region or vice versa? If there's a micro surge in Graham County, is there enough beds to help them? No, they're in Asheville. Right. So, so there's there are limitations to this data too. So you can have plenty of beds for the whole state, but in the western part of the state where there's a micro surge, you might be completely out of beds for that region. Okay. So, what did we know uh, before the upgrade on their dashboard? Well, before the DHHS uh, rolled out this new data. Okay. We didn't know a lot. North Carolina reported the number of hospital patients and statewide estimates of hospital capacity, but it did not report hospitalizations by geographic region, by bed type, demographic, or by patients who are suspected to have COVID-19 but have gotten a positive uh, have not gotten a positive test result. Okay? So, we couldn't see where hospital admissions were increasing. The state's data 
on hospital capacity was also kind of murky. Uh, There were only a statewide estimate of available beds and ventilators. Researchers did not know regional differences in patients' access to care. And so Joe Coletti with the... uh, John Locke Foundation, he says, quote, we're operating in a dark gray space. He says it's not black anymore because we've been able to shed some light on the situation, but it's still charcoal. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the we don't publish uh, any of the patient's ages. And that creates a problem because that's a pretty essential clue uh, about hospital capacity, because older patients are going to stay longer. They're going to require more intense care. Right. Knowing a patient's age would help researchers estimate how many people will need the beds in the ICUs. And without that information, the risk of overwhelming a hospital is unclear. You just you're not going to know. Are hospitals required to report COVID-19 patients? No, they are not. Most of them do, but not all of them do. Researchers want to see that change. Why not? Another question. This is the same thing I was asking about the nursing homes. Right. And Joe Coletti, actually, uh, maybe he listens to the podcast. If so, hey, Joe, love your work. Anyway, he says if they can require bowling alleys to be closed, it seems like they should be able to require hospitals to report information. Yeah. How is it? that? How can you tell me that the governor has the power to close and bankrupt like thousands of businesses, tens of thousands of businesses, bankrupt uh, thousands and tens of thousands of people? How is it that he can do that, but for some reason he can't say, hey, you know what, um, you need to give me your COVID-related data. I need to know that stuff. And, and we can have a discussion about what data gets provided to you know, protect patient identity and all of that, HIPAA rules and all, but uh, you need to be reporting this data. H- how has that not happened? How has it not happened that you haven't gone to Red Rock Photo NC at this point? RedRockPhotoNC.com, right? If you want to look at some stunning views of the Blue Ridge Mountains, so stunning that you're just going to stare at them for a while, you get lost in these photos. Red Rock Photography, Red Rock Photo NC. Um, this is, it's just amazing work. Uh, you can check out some of the examples at Red Rock Photo NC. Stacy Redman is from Western North Carolina. He's been shooting landscapes for two decades. Um, and the reason he started doing this was he was working, you know, a retail job and he was like, life is too short for this. And, uh, he's got a family. He's like, I'm not going to get this time back. So I'm going to go, uh, spend time with my family. I'm going to do what I love, which is shooting these landscape photographs and chase his dream. And, uh, his work is brilliant. It is striking. It is easily affordable for any space. And I got to tell you, um, he, he, along with all the other folks who rely on the trade shows and these art shows, uh, they've taken a huge hit because of COVID. So, um, like he's lost, like half of his, um, of his festivals and fairs and stuff got canceled so far this year. So uh, if you want to get some of this stuff and help him um, and also spruce up your place, I mean, really, it, these are amazing works of art. See for yourself at redrockphotonc.com and use the promo code PETE for 20% off, redrockphotonc.com. Promo code PETE. Remember that. All right, so now what is another limitation of this data that the DHHS has pushed out? Um, The length of stay, average length of stay, still unclear. The state estimated that the median recovery time for hospitalized COVID-19 patients uh, as 28 days from the date of your test, okay? But researchers say more detailed information 
would actually help gauge how a virus surge would hit hospitals. So we still don't know that. The North State Journal also took a look at this. Their piece, DHHS adds COVID-specific hospital bed data to dashboard. In the first two days of the newly reported data, what have we learned? We learned that 18.7% of ICU beds in use are from adult COVID-19 patients. Okay, so when they start talking about, oh, our hospitals, they're getting towards capacity and oh, my gosh, we're running out of beds. Oh, my gosh, this is bad. Everybody, this is bad. What they're talking about is 19 percent of ICU beds that are in use by COVID-19 patients, adult patients, 19 percent. Well, why are they talking about all the beds being uh, the shortage of beds? What is that about? Well, it's about the beds being used for other things. There are people that are in those beds that don't have COVID-19 because hospitals started taking more patients again. And when the hospitals started filling up the beds, hospitals generally run somewhere around 80% capacity all the time. And so, yes, they're, at, they're almost at capacity. And yes, they could be overwhelmed if they don't then dial down the other types of elective, quote-unquote elective, surgeries and, and stays. Okay? Last week... This is pretty interesting. During a briefing that uh, Dr. Cohen did, the North State Journal asked about instances of patients that were hospitalized for unrelated reasons, like elective surgeries, and then being tested for COVID-19, right? You've probably heard this, that there are people who show up at the hospital, they're like, oh, you know what, I need to have a gallbladder removed or whatever. And they go in there, and before they undergo the surgery, they get a COVID test. And look at that, they tested positive. And now they get marked as a COVID patient, a COVID case. And technically they are, right? But that's not why they ended up in the hospital. They It wasn't the COVID that drove them to the hospital, right? No, it was probably like an ambulance or a relative. I'm kidding. Sorry. Anyway, um, she said when asked about this, she says, I keep hearing the uh, there's hospitalizations with unrelated surgeries. And she said that prevalence is extremely low. I'd encourage folks in the media to get in touch with some of our hospitals in the Charlotte area who are seeing lots of cases of folks there with COVID-19. Now, we are not in place uh, where we need to go into surge capacity, but this is not just incidental findings. That's what she said last week. She's like, oh, you people in the media, you're, you keep talking about this. It's not Basically, it's not true, right? You're overblowing this idea that there are all these people that are in the uh, hospital for non-COVID-related things, and then they turn up as a COVID case because they have it, although that's not what brought them to the hospital in the first place. She, dim- she dismissed this. She said it's minimal. Well, now we know it's 19% of ICU beds, at least that are COVID cases, which means what? 80% of them, 81% of the beds are non-COVID cases. So when you talk about the hospitals getting overwhelmed, they've got slack, right? They have that that 81% of the beds that are being used by other people, non-COVID people, right? If you just stop admitting some of those elective surgery people, then that would free up space, right? So while saying that the uh, the instances were low, Cohen never specified a percentage for the cases, and then less than a week later, the data is added to the state's dashboard where it shows, uh, yeah, it's actually not that low. Not that low. Now, if you're running low on your supplies, 
uh, your prep supplies, your prepper supplies. Then uh, Old Grouch's military surplus needs to be a place uh, that you visit soon. Now more than ever, you need Old Grouch's military surplus. In downtown Clyde, uh, Tim has an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies, uh, just in case you may want to try to avoid going to the hospital and hanging out with all the COVID patients, you know. Um, Body armor, all kinds, made to NATO specs. Uh, In-store or over-the-phone purchases only for the body armor. Face masks that are made by a local veteran family, uh, disabled vet and his family. They um, they make these out of military parachutes. They are lightweight. They are soft. Uh, they use the parachute cords for the earband parts. Pretty cool. They also have steel gas cans, the pre-band old-school good ones, you know, before the government screwed them all up plus tons of real u.s military surplus for more than three decades old grouch's military surplus on main street in downtown clyde uh also yes the shop is open monday through saturday monday through saturday shop is open it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. And you may be thinking oh gosh that's in clyde that's you know far away from where i live well maybe you need to uh to move closer you know sell your house and if you are thinking about doing that then uh use the only real estate agent that i would use buying or selling it's rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team the phone number is 333-4483 that's 333-4483 and uh, she and the all-star powerhouse team are the official homes for heroes agents in Asheville. this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25 percent back from realtor commissions um this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retired. She's given back so far about $800,000 to local folks through this program. You can be one of them. Just call her, buying or selling, Rowena Patton and the all-star powerhouse team, 333-4043 and mountainhomehunt.com and uh, start packing. So, uh, Mandy Cohen, talking about uh, at the press conference yesterday, how there is a testing backlog uh, in the state of North Carolina and why that is. As I've shared previously, our commercial labs are swamped with samples from around the country and our hospital labs are still struggling with supplies. We're attacking this problem in a number of ways, including pairing testing sites with labs that do have more throughput capacity, buying reserve lab capacity on behalf of the state, and working to diversify our testing modalities, including exploring the use of more antigen testing and other techniques. All right, did you get all that? Okay, I'm, I'm not really clear on everything that she said either, but sounds like they're having some problems with the testing. Okay, uh, but here's the key. Now, this is not an issue unique to North Carolina. Again, we need federal leadership here to make fast and faster Curse you, Trump! I also want to highlight some new CDC guidance about testing that should also help alleviate some of the testing backlog. This is the important part. Um, the testing backlog uh, affects people after they've already. So you, you test positive. You got to sit out of work for two weeks and then you're like, I feel fine. Uh, then they're like, well, you got to have another test before we're going to let you come back to work. And so then you got to get tested again. And now the backlog means you're not going to get the results of that for like another week or something. So uh, meanwhile, you're out of work all this time. So this is where the new CDC uh, rules uh, or guidelines guidance comes into play. The CDC is now recommending a symptom-based 
instead of a test-based approach to people to determine whether they no longer need to be considered infectious and can end isolation. Data is now showing that people with mild to moderate COVID-19 really only remain infectious no longer than 10 days after symptom onset. So now someone who has had symptoms and tested positive for COVID-19 can stop isolating when they can answer yes to the following three questions. First, has it been at least 10 days since your symptoms started? 10 days. Two, has it been 24 hours since you last had a fever without using fever-reducing medicines? Mm -hmm. And three, have your symptoms such as cough or shortness of breath improved? We at the state are updating our guidance to align with this new CDC guidance. And this should make it easier for North Carolinian businesses and employees to get back to work. Until now, we know that many businesses were requiring a negative test result in order to return to work. This new CDC guidance said that is not necessary. That's good. I think this is good. So CDC is making it easier for people to get back to work. Well, again, we've got more knowledge about what the virus does, how it behaves. So in mild and moderate cases, if you can say yes to those three questions, that it's been, you know, 10 days since uh, uh, since your symptoms occurred, 24 hours since your last fever without any, you know, meds, and have your symptoms improved. So if you can say yes to all that, chances are you are now no longer contagious. Okay? So that's good. That's a good development. Um this was kind of funny. Governor Cooper is asked, he he was a lawyer, by the way, he's asked about the bar exam uh, that's getting ready to be held <laughs> for all of these aspiring lawyers. And he's asked, you know, is this a good idea? Do you have any concerns about that? And listen to his response. You're always concerned about people's safety, well, yeah. uh, particularly when they're indoors. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage the state bar of law examiners to make sure that they make accommodations for people and they keep people as safe as possible. Yes, I'm concerned about it. However, this is a decision by the state board of law examiners. They have the statutory authority here to make that decision. He's so don't cross the bar, right? That's, do not cross the bar. They want to hold their exam, and it doesn't matter if you're the governor, which is interesting because, like, we just heard the clip uh, of, you know, Governor, wear your mask, Cooper, and all, with the fire and brimstone, or as much as he can muster. Like, that's uh, that's how, that's his approach to everybody else, except when it's when it has his allies. Like, this is like this is a pretty clear indication. It's like, oh well, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize them. I don't want to criticize holding the bar exam. Right. Because I don't want to cross the bar. All right. And finally, remember earlier when I said that Cooper was urging people to pressure Congress to expand uh, or extend federal unemployment and to lobby the state lawmakers to increase payments. All right. So Nate Morabito from WCNC asked him more about that. Listen to this. Hey there, Governor. Even before this pandemic, the federal government ranked North Carolina last in the country for timely unemployment benefits. We know the state has hired 2000 more employees, changed leadership and offered new training, but we continue to hear from the unemployed who are growing more and more frustrated. Some who are able to get through and get hung up on, multiple agents are telling them different things, and these people are waiting extended periods of time for the money they so desperately need. When will the state fix these problems? 
First, there's been significant progress made in this area. As you know, a system that was used to 12,000 claims uh, a month was overwhelmed with over a million claims in a short period of time. However, it is critically important to get these payments to these families who are living on the edge. And one of the reasons why I'm urging Congress to extend this federal benefit, which will make a world of difference to these people because in North Carolina we rank near the bottom of the amount of money that we pay to people who are unemployed as well as a short very short period of time that those payments last okay right hang on a second it doesn't even matter how much money people from in North Carolina are getting from the state and how long it lasts it doesn't matter if your system can't send out any of the checks right and that's what the question was about. It's not about the length of the duration of the the benefits or the amount of the benefits. It's about you not being able to get them out the door to the people who need them. That being said, there's been over $6.2 billion paid to over 815,000 people. There have been about 251,000 people who have been denied claims because they did not qualify for it. And there are several thousand people, about, I think, 4% at the state level and 6% at the federal level, where their claims are more complicated. Those claims may be contested, and the department is working hard to get those claims resolved. Uh, they've increased the number of people on the phone. They put in a chat function, so they're having more and more communication with these people uh, to try to answer to their questions and continue going to work every single day to try to make sure these benefits are available to people. In addition, we're pulling people from other agencies uh, to DES in order to be able to help them and assist them with this uh, significant but highly important task. And they're going to keep working every day and I'm going to keep pushing them. Right. So the IRS can get the money out before Raleigh can. Right. He also doesn't provide a figure um, of how many people are still left waiting that should otherwise be getting the unemployment benefits. Right. He doesn't provide that data either. Uh, maybe they could do a different data dashboard for the unemployment benefits. Right. Uh, look, I'm just saying it's an idea, although considering how poorly they've been handling that whole side of the operation so far, I don't know, giving them more work would actually help at this point. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Please remember, subscribe to the podcast and give it a positive review. Also consider becoming a patron of the program for cool stuff and exclusive content. Links are in the description. Thanks so much for your support. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>